0: A start On demand. On demand.
1: It's reopening day in Manitoba. Well, at least phase one begins today as the province looks to reopen the economy. So we will speak to the King's Head Pub. They are getting ready to reopen their patio. And we'll also hear from the Retail Council of Canada to find out what are the lingering questions and concerns they have as we move forward giving tuesday is something we usually don't hear about until november it follows black friday and cyber monday well it's being moved up to may 5th so we'll have a chat about that and why the united way needs your help if you're not working in the office anymore what don't you miss about going into work and if you are still going into work what don't you miss about pre-pandemic work life This conversation was triggered by a disgusting mess left behind by our weekend staff, which made Brett want to smash. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Monday, May 4th podcast for the start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And Manitoba's going to look a little bit differently today as things start to reopen. Greg, good morning to you, sir. Good morning,
0: Brett McGarry. Nice to uh, be with you. Thanks for the home delivery of...
1: uh delicious beverages yesterday. I appreciate it very much. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, I dropped off a couple of beers. Uh, Torque Brewing, we spoke to them recently and they said that they were getting ready to unveil their latest uh, charity beer, which is uh, called Special 63. They parted with Chris Walby from the Blue Bombers, the Blue Bomber legend, and uh, it's in support of the Alzheimer's Society of Manitoba. Some proceeds from that beer will go to the Alzheimer's Society. And the uh, the neat thing is the first five people to who order a flat of 24 we'll have it personally delivered by walby himself so uh i know i'm not chris walby but i was happy to swing by your place and leave him on your doorstep McNabb. i still got some if you want me to head out your way and drop off a couple
2: Oh, that's a that's a you have to charge delivery to make that hike out here. But yeah, I'd be, I actually also had a a delivery on the weekend. Friends dropped by and delivered some homemade sangria, which was delightful. Ooh, sangria! Uh, yeah, everyone's getting creative with how they help each other out. If if that's helping, that was help to me. <laughs> yes, of course it is.
1: That is great. What yeah. uh, what kind of stuff was in said sangria?
2: I didn't even ask it just tasted good so I have no idea it's gone there's nothing left it's I don't think I think it was meant to last more than a day or two but it did not so
0: so how much yeah. was it how much not not how much did it cost how much sangria did you receive was it more than a liter or less than oh a liter? i have
2: no idea it was a couple tupperware containers but it inspired a whole you know it, it kind of i think everybody with nothing to do it inspired a whole Mexican themed night. So then I was like, well, now that I've got the sangria, let's get out some beef and some tacos. And we made Mexican rice and our Spanish infused rice. I don't know what it, it it created a whole big night, which was fun because then it was a bit, Made the Saturday feel a little bit different than a Tuesday. Not much different than a Tuesday, but a little bit different.
1: Well, you know where I like to have sangria is on a patio. Whenever I think, whenever I have sangria, it always makes me think back to the the patio at uh, is it Monami Louis in uh, or is it mm-hmm. Monami Gabby? Pardon me. in in Monami Louis is yes. in Winnipeg, right? Mon yes, Amie, so that's on the bridge. And yeah. Monami Gabby is in Las Vegas, uh, across from the Bellagio fountains at the Paris Hotel. And I sat on the patio uh, for lunch there and had sangria, and I think it was the first time I had it but I thought this is the perfect patio drink. And uh, today, starting today, patio is reopened. So that's, I'm curious to see how that's going to roll out. Uh, McNabb, are you, would you partake in patio, uh, in a patio drink yet?
2: I don't know. I, I've been thinking a lot about this. Like I'm, I'm I, I'd like to, do a drive by look at all these things, you know, or have somebody kind of do the recon for me and let me know how it's working and the spacing. Like the patio will be the easiest thing to see out there on t- uh, today in terms of reopening and, and whether servers are wearing masks or gloves or choose to and how far apart the tables are and all the rest. I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of people. It's kind of like, you know, the phrase, if you build it, will they come? Um, if you're, if you're opening today, who's going and what are you going for? What are you interested in? And I think I'm still on the fence of, of expanding my horizons when it comes to this whole experience, Greg. You...
0: Well, I've, I said last week I was cautiously excited about the changes that were to come this week. I think I'm happy that the weather is less than ideal for patios right now, not because, you know, my uh, affection for the restaurant business. But I think it'll be good because it'll, I think it'll just slow down that rush for everybody to get out right away. There will be hearty souls that will be there in whatever weather we have. But I think it's a good thing that uh, we're not expecting double-digit temperatures up into the 20s. Heck, we're going to barely going to get above 10 degrees uh, for the next week or so. So I, I think that's a good
1: thing that's going to just help people uh, just slow their roll a little bit. I walked by Saffron's on Corden yesterday. I could see them out getting ready or getting their patio ready. And I, I think it, the, the spacing could work because that's usually a pretty jammed patio. But the mm-hmm. tables were very... Uh, you know, there was a lot of distance in between tables, because my main thing is, okay, if I go to a patio with anybody, because I live by myself, I need to keep two meters distance, so that would be awkward because the tables are usually like, what, a square, like a meter uh, across, so uh, you'd have to sit like a couple of feet away from the table and awkwardly lean forward to grab your drink, but there is enough room between the tables that I think that could be achieved, that could be accomplished. So uh, I would would be... Willing to to try to try it out, uh, partly just because it would be an excuse to actually go out with a friend. Uh, I haven't seen anybody. I was looking, I was hoping to see you yesterday, Greg, but you were out with the family. So, uh, your neighbor actually said hello and offered to hold on to the beer for you. <laughs> <That he did. laughs> oh, I know which
0: neighbor that was. You made the wise choice of not giving it to him.
1: <laughs> but let us know at 204-780-6868 if you're going to try and head out to a patio. Coming up after Global News at 8 o'clock, Lauren, we're going to speak to one of the restaurants that's getting ready for reopening.
2: Yeah, the King's Head was one of the first to close, I think, back when uh, COVID really hit Manitoba. March 16th, they put out that email saying they were closing ahead of St. Patrick's Day. And so they're reopening their patio today. Also, the city of Winnipeg took in applications from restaurant owners who might not have patios today. So we're hoping to get numbers from them because they were they're going to allow restaurants to open temporary spaces if they don't have an existing patio because there might be restaurant owners who want to get in on this game so to speak there might be others who say it isn't worth it so we're going to visit with the king's head after eight and then of course we've got all our reporters out on Corden avenue in hair salons this morning keeping their social distance but checking in with all sorts of businesses who are going to reopen or who might not be reopening today because just because you can doesn't mean they will
1: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Tristan Field-Jones is here. And for Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore is here. Jeff Fortier is here. Now, as you know, Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb are working from home. Jeff Braun's been working from home. Kelly Moore is at home. Jeff Courier, Hal Anderson, Julie Buckingham. There are maybe... 20 people who still work in the building. Chorus did a great job at mobilizing work-from-home strategy and got as many people out of the building as possible when the pandemic began. Uh, so now it's just me in studio, Forte's on the other side of the glass, Tristan is in the news booth right now, so we're all separate. But even with so few people working in the building... I still come in this morning to find a disgusting mess in our kitchen that was left behind by the weekend staff that who decided that they're above cleaning up after themselves. At the best of times, I don't want to have to clean up after your dirty dishes. But as Tristan pointed out, I certainly don't want to touch your dirty mess during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So uh, for shame to our weekend staff who created that mess. Not pointing <laughs> the fingers at anybody specific because I don't know who's responsible. But... Uh, uh, nonetheless, I sent out a shaming email this morning. And Kelly Moore, why don't we start with you? Because you are the guy who always used to have to clean up after the mess. So what don't, now that you're working from home, what don't you miss about coming into the office?
3: Exactly what you sent the picture of. And, and Monday mornings were usually the worst. Uh, you, I come in, uh, grab my first cup of coffee and and see the mess, and and initially, I did the same thing as you just did, Brett, I would send out memos, I would try the nice way, I would try the not-so-nice way, nothing worked, so I finally arrived at the conclusion that if it bothers me so much uh, that the kitchen is a mess, rather than uh, yell and scream at people or whatever, I would just include that as part of my weekly duties, so I don't miss that one iota.
1: Look at that. That's some perspective. Just made it part of your job rather than getting mad about it. So perhaps I'll try to, to make that part of my mantra moving forward. Tristan Field-Jones, you're still coming in to work. What don't you miss about pre-pandemic work life? Um, you know what? I think the commutes because I have That's to...
3: That's
4: what I was going to say, too. Exactly. Now, granted, my commute is it's very, very short, but going down any part of Route 90 is a nightmare uh, on the best of times. And I have to say, it's really nice not having to um, examine, you know, the traffic map or listen to every single traffic report and figure out, okay, do I need to find an alternate way home because that will take me uh, a little less time. So I really do not miss the the lineups. And, you know, it's weird. I can't think of the last time I actually was in a traffic lineup. It's been months.
2: Well, I, I have noticed that in the past few weeks or the past two weeks that there are, there is more and more traffic now, yeah. mm-hmm. and I, I'm, am curious to see what's going to happen today. Now that there's more businesses open.
1: Loren, what don't you miss about coming into work?
2: Needing my pass card to go anywhere. <laughs> it's like the number one thing I have to double check every morning to see if I have it. And at 4 a.m., when you arrive at work and it's cold and you reach into your purse outside that door and you're just like, oh no, I forgot it. And then I'm like, who do I harass now? And then I usually have a wheel like I called Kelly the last time. So now I'll call Brett. Like, who's around? And then I just got into the habit of waiting for Greg. To, like, if Greg wasn't there yet, I'd call him and be like, you around the corner? He's like, I'm just coming around the corner. You forget your pass card i was like i sure did and then i just wait for greg to come so yeah i like i i like that i can go anywhere in my house without a key card <laughs> why don't you just keep
4: Aww. it why don't you just keep it in your in your wallet or somewhere that's really i mean
3: that's what i don't do with talk it. Don't talk sense when it comes to McNabb, Tristan. I apologize. And usually Tony. it
2: actually always was on me. I just couldn't see it in my bag. And so that became part of the problem, too. So that makes no I, sense. It doesn't make any sense, Tristan, but I don't miss it. I don't miss that uh, at all. Greg, what about you?
5: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't miss
0: the fundraisers. I don't mind people asking me to buy stuff because I'm always happy to support whatever endeavors going on at school or with your sports teams. It's the other side of it. I hate asking. But my wife is the queen of fundraisers. She puts typically everybody else in the school to shame, and she gets zero help from me. Because I refuse to ask my co-workers typically if they will support the vegetable drive or the pierogi drive, whatever we've got going on. So I don't miss having to battle with Jackie about why I've failed to sell any pierogies versus her 27 bags of pierogies.
1: We got a text here from Adam who says, I don't miss all the messy people at work and the traffic to and from. The things that I don't miss, uh, I don't miss meetings I, I What <laughs> oh, yeah, Who's your favorite? I thought. Brett. Ah, meetings yeah. are the biggest. Like I, I, understand that there's a purpose, but there's so much time that gets wasted in meetings from all the all the mindless chit chat. Like let's just get on with it and get out. And uh, and it that's just my opinion. I realize that that my my process is different than others, but I I can't stand all of the uh, the chit chat that goes on in meetings. And it's uh, it's been kind of nice and quiet around here. I like I used to work all those weekend shifts, and I sort of liked the change of pace coming in on the weekend when it was quiet. So it is nice and quiet. So I kind of like that. I certainly miss, uh, you know, being around people, but uh, mm-hmm. there, there is, a, there is a, a bit of a balance there. And I'm with uh, Forte and Tristan and Adam as well. The traffic has been nice uh, that it's been a little bit slower. Like if I have to go out and help my dad with something in Transcona, it takes me like 25 minutes to get out there. Whereas depending on the time of day, Kelly, I mean, you, you live in yeah. Transcona. How long would it take you if you left here at say 3 p.m. or even 3.30 p.m.? How long would it take you to get out to Canterbury Park?
3: Anywhere between 45 minutes and an hour. So I can't believe that that wasn't the first thing that I I mentioned. And as soon as Tristan said it, I went, oh, of course, that's what it is. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, and, and you know, in those days where we would have uh, difficulties with the weather, with snow and stuff Ugh. like that, mm-hmm. trying to get out of the downtown would be anywhere between 40 to 50 minutes just to get from work to Portage and Maine.
4: Well, and and, you know, it's interesting, Brett, you you bring up uh, a really good point. I wonder in terms of workplace meetings, what this is going to do in terms of of workflow. How many are we going to realize in every workplace, how many of those meetings served very little purpose and how is that going to change the way we work, essentially? I'll be really curious to see if maybe productivity goes up a little bit.
1: I remember I had, just quick funny story. I had a meeting. This is back when uh, Charles Adler who still worked in the building, and uh, his producer Kevin the Lizard Wallace was our program director. And we had a meeting after the show uh, where they wanted, to, where Lizard wanted to talk about something related to the show. That business took two minutes, and then I sat there for thirty minutes and just watched the two of them shoot the breeze, and it was preventing me from getting on with my work, and uh, to the point where I got annoyed. And then Lizard says, "You guys, there's something on your mind there, Brett. You look upset." And I said, "Well, I just want to get back to work." So he was annoyed with me that I was annoyed that he and Charles were wasting my time let me get back to work I just want to work this is what you're paying me
4: for this is the airing of grievances like an early edition of that isn't it (laughs) Brett smash on a
6: Monday
1: Text message at 204-780-6868 on the subject of our previous conversation of how I showed up this morning to a huge mess in our kitchen, dishes piled up in the sink, dirty dishes, and somebody's texting us saying, why not just put up a sign in the kitchen, something like... Your parents don't work here. Please keep the kitchen clean and wash your dishes after using or something to that effect. Well, years ago, one of our colleagues put up a hilarious sign right above the sink that said, Hello, friends. Approximately three feet southwest of this location there is a dishwasher. Please feel free to use it. And of course, one of our rebellious colleagues just simply wrote F-U or something to that extent on the sign. So the signs don't work. Nothing works. Slobs are going to be slobs. But I like the suggestion and it might be time to do that again. In the mean, So keep those texts coming. The things that you don't miss about going into the office or the things that you do miss about pre-pandemic life if you are still going into work. Meantime, Loren McNabb, one of the things that can reopen today, campgrounds, and you took a look. What's going on?
2: Yeah, I was just curious because I, I genuinely don't know how this is going to work in terms of keeping people from interacting and socializing you know you go camping and you know somebody next to you you're you're inclined to have a fire and so how they keep the sizes down and all the rest is part of the questions but yeah campgrounds can open today so i was curious to see how busy the booking system is and i'm in line online right now and i it says i'm ticket number 4808 so i don't know if that means i'm 4800 in line but i'm definitely several hundred back i'm i'm this little blue dot in the screen slowly inching towards these conservation officers and their little virtual hats on so i I'm, I'm just curious i'm i'm trying to see how long this might take to book i have no I, I we don't have anything beyond a tent and i don't think anyone in my family wants to be in the tent in 10 degrees this weekend but i am just curious to see how how busy this will be and and if other people will be going camping.
1: You go to the grocery store, you wait in line. You go to the bank, you wait in line. You want to book a campsite, you got to wait in line. That's just the way it is now. It's like everything is like trying to get into a nightclub on a Friday night. Hair salons, golf courses, and patios, they're all on the list of places that can reopen this morning, but just because they can doesn't mean they will.
2: All sorts of rules that have to be followed to ensure the social distancing for staff, for customers. Of course, there's all sorts of questions questions about what openings will look like, and if it will even make sense for some retailers to open given the limits. John Graham is the Director of Government Relations for the Prairie Region of the Retail Council of Canada and joins us now for more. Good morning, John. Good morning. I'm curious what the mood is there for the people you've been talking to over the weekend as they get work to get ready. Is there excitement? Is it trepidation? What is it?
5: Yeah, I think it's really like waking up groggy after a bad dream you know we expect retail stores to open their front doors for the most part uh, and feel their way, their way through the rest of the day you know under normal circumstances there'd be a tremendous amount of work and excitement that would go into reopening but this is anything but normal uh, for retail today
1: Global News spoke to some tattoo artists, oh, and sorry, Greg, I jumped, stepped on your toes there. Global News spoke to some tattoo artists over the weekend who don't understand why a salon can open, but they can't, particularly given how clean and sterile tattoo parlors are. Are there some gaps or big questions in this reopening plan?
5: You know, I think uh, I think overall it's pretty consistent with other provinces and where they're heading. Uh, uh, and lots of thought has gone into it. Obviously, uh, you know, short notice and a lot of scrambling for rehiring of staff and understanding of physical distancing and cleaning requirements and, uh, uh, and you know, updating inventory and uh, adjusting hours likely as well. But um, there's, uh, you know, lots of work that's gone into this one and, frankly, uh, a lot of commitment from retailers to, to make sure we get this right and aren't a source of spread.
0: In the general public, John, I would say many people last week and and probably this morning were questioning whether Manitoba was perhaps moving too quickly on this. How how do you see our reopening day and our reopening plans compared to other provinces across the country, in particular, what they're doing in Saskatchewan this week?
5: Yeah, well, Saskatchewan is going to roll their retail doors open on the 19th of May. Uh, Alberta is the 14th of may uh, uh you know i'm not a, an expert in uh, in covid by any means so we're just focused on what uh, needs to be done and i don't think there's a whole bunch of retailers that are rushing to open their doors first thing this morning and we frankly expect a lot fewer customers coming through the doors than uh, uh this weekend and beyond
2: what is some of the challenges john for these businesses you mentioned just the idea of uh trying to get staff back trying to comply with the different social distancing guidelines and, and i'm curious how many of the people you've been talking to business owners who might just say you know given the capacity issues and how many people were allowed to have them we're not even sure if it would make sense to bring back staff right now uh, because it might just be a break even or or less
5: yeah it's that, that's a very valid question it's other uh, the the reality is that we have nothing to compare this with. And so a lot of this is just feeling the way through. And, uh, and I think you're going to see businesses open their doors when they're ready. They're not, again, going to rush to open the first thing this morning here, but in coming days and even weeks. Uh, and uh, But there's a lot to, to learn as far as what you can expect on customer volumes, what staffing levels you really need if you're reducing hours, if the business is a lot less and how much you want to spend in uh, expanding inventory or updating inventory uh knowing that you carry a pretty heavy financial load from these uh, past several weeks.
0: John is that going to be one of the challenges getting inventory and making sure that you have products to offer people that want to buy them?
5: Well, part of the challenge, you're right, is that uh you know along the entire supply chain uh there's um there's people dealing with covid across the world and across North America and so uh, it may be a little slower. The supplier may be half-staffed, closed, perhaps. Uh, and so a lot of this is uh, uh, going to be having to, again, you know, work our way through issues that arise and hope that uh, uh, collectively we, we uh, will eventually see a new normal.
1: John Graham is the Director of Government Relations for the Prairie Region of the Retail Council of Canada, joining us live on 680 CJOB. John, thank you very much for the time, sir. My pleasure. Mackling McGarry and McNabb, log on to Twitter on Saturday, and I see murder hornets are trending, and I thought, oh no, please, please God, no, please don't be what I think this is. And sure enough, I click on it, and it says, great, now murder hornets have arrived. In North America, Uh, reporting for the New York Times, Mike Baker describes the two-inch Asian giant hornet species known as the murder hornet, which was first sighted in Washington State last fall. The invaders use mandibles shaped like spiked shark fins to wipe out a honeybee hive in a matter of hours. Capable of killing humans, their venom and stinger make for an excruciating combination that victims have likened to hot metal driving into their skin. Now, there there was actually a story last May, May 2019, of uh, a couple in B.C. that found one of these uh, murder hornets in their apartment. I don't know if, if... Loren, have you ever seen videos of these things?
2: No, and I don't and I deliberately like I read the story that you sent, but then did not go looking for video because I I thought it would just horrify me.
1: It it's scary. I saw a video well over ten years ago somewhere in Japan. And it was, uh, there was a honeybee colony, like 10,000 bees just doing their thing. And it was shot in super slow motion. And then these giant hornets swoop in and they were like war machines. It was like they, they, because it was slow motion, it was like they were these helicopters that had arrived to just wipe out this colony. So 100 of these hornets just destroyed 10,000 honeybees. It's really Scary, obviously, from a, a human perspective. Greg, I would not want to be stung by one of these. But it's also concerning because if these things start attacking the honeybee population here, uh, that could be a big problem.
0: Yeah, they essentially decapitate the honeybees, and what they do in ravaging uh, a honey colony is absolutely unreal. It it, it is uh, it is pure it is pure destruction. And um, I was reading a similar article about it and described his uh the the hornet's face as as spider-man like in appearance like these things are incredibly animated like you would think that this is something disney or pixar had created (laughs) and had come to life because it is so frightening and it's got some humanistic and human like features as well as giant eyebrows are unbelievably large uh they kill 50 people a year in japan so, yeah, I think this is Mother's Mother Nature's way of making sure we stay inside in 2020. I don't know. but Between that and reports that we're going to have a crazy mosquito population this summer, it just keeps getting better, doesn't it?
2: I, I liked uh, the Huffington Post had a headline over the weekend that said, murder hornets are in Canada because 2020 just keeps on going. <laughs> I know. It's <that's laughs> terrible. Like the idea that we just, you know, really... You know, with all we're dealing with right now, couldn't we just get murder hornets to arrive next year? Can they give us one year off?
1: And another thing too with these murder hornets uh, that one of our listeners pointed out, the the bees over there in Japan have figured out a way to defend themselves because their stingers don't do anything against them, but what they do is, because they have so many numbers, they will swarm one of the hornets and completely envelope them and then they'll start vibrating and the heat that is generated essentially burns the the, the hornet (laughs) from the inside out, but the bees here probably won't know that trick so uh, they'll so they so they'll just get destroyed by these things and again, I, would, I think I would actually die of fright before getting stung, before they could even sting me and poison me with their venom, I think I would just die of fright if a two inch giant murder hornet landed on me so God, I hope they do not make their way into Manitoba with the mosquitoes and all the other bugs we have to deal with and COVID-19 uh, I don't want to have to worry about murder hornets Let us know at 204-780-6868. Would you run away if you saw a murder hornet?
0: Yeah, we know it's a big day for many small businesses that were forced to close during the pandemic. There's some excitement, some trepidation, and a lot of hope as we enter phase one of Manitoba's approach to reopening the economy. And while there will be more people going, as those traffic volumes may indicate, we also know there are many of you who don't yet have a job to go back to, Lorenzo.
2: Yeah, the numbers on this front are staggering. We know there was well over a million people apply for that emergency benefit uh, last month. We know thousands of Manitobans are without work. And with all this flux and change in our economy, more people are relying on food banks. More people are relying on shelters and, and other charities to get by which is why our next guest has a simple request for everyone this morning. If you're fortunate enough to be working and potentially spending today as we reopen or slowly reopen, then maybe you'll consider donating a few dollars tomorrow. It's all part of an international campaign for Giving Tuesday. And to tell us more, we're joined by Dave Angus, volunteer for United Way Winnipeg campaign chair and president and CEO of Johnson Group. Good morning, Dave.
7: Good morning, Lorraine.
2: We're we're typically familiar... I'll let you ask me how we're doing. I think that's where. You, what how we're are about. you doing? <laughs> I think we're good, Dave. I'm always think just going well. Full steam ahead on this Monday. Lots to talk Fantastic. about, but but we're doing well. We have of course got Greg working at home. I'm at home. Brett's in the studio, so lots of change for everybody. And and this Giving Tuesday concept is one that we're usually familiar with after Cyber Monday, following Black Friday. That's what we typically do uh, our campaign for Giving Tuesday. This is a different yep. spin on this. What what's the goal here?
7: Well, I think it's incredible that uh, the decision was made right in the middle of our our COVID-19 pandemic to have a day where we remind everybody about generosity and the need for support to community. So they're calling it Giving Tuesday now, and it's a global day of action happening throughout communities around the world. Uh, in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, kind of this unifying moment, I would say, Lorraine, uh, where a community can, can kind of t- put their mind towards community and those that are suffering and those uh, needs that are out there. I can tell you on behalf of the United Way, uh, the frontline agencies are absolutely overwhelmed right now in terms of the need. Um, and it's not like they had nothing to do prior to COVID-19, and so the need is absolutely there. Uh, tomorrow we don't see as kind of a one-off. We hope that we have a very robust giving day, but we know that the focus on community recovery is going to continue for the
1: rest of the year. Do you have a specific ask that you're looking for tomorrow?
7: Uh, we don't have a specific target, um, but we know Winnipeg and Manitoba, the most philanthropic uh, province in the country, and so we know that citizens will be there, and it, it is your... your your. Uh, your charity of choice, the organization that you feel needs the money the most. Of course, United Way is one of those. Uh, so, for those that uh, would like to give to the United Way uh, that supports over 100 agencies on the front lines in Winnipeg, uh, go to the website, unitedwaywinnipeg.ca, or give, give us a call at 204 477 5360. But a lot of the community organizations will be reaching out tomorrow, hoping uh, that Winnipegers will respond, and I know they will.
0: John, this is just one small step in reopening the economy and so the pain people are feeling economically is not going away as of 9 o'clock this morning. We know that there's going to be trickle-down effects, benefits and continuing to be negative effects of what's happening around the world in our community for a while. Two questions here. Where is the greatest need and, and what are you hearing from some of your local charities and, and our nonprofits and how they're dealing with things? Uh, you know, we've seen so many fundraisers canceled over the last last weeks. Uh, Just one example of the shortfall they might be seeing.
7: Well the challenge they have is that not only has the need uh, exponentially grown through this, their ability to raise money has decreased uh, in terms of their ability to actually do fundraising and, and those kinds of regular uh, activities. Uh, the needs uh, you know there, there's kind of a way to look at this there's an immediate need around food security there's an immediate need around uh, helping the homeless there's immediate need around uh, seniors and isolated seniors that need support and there's some great collaborative effort happening. With with uh, United Way, with the Winnipeg Foundation, and other organizations to deal with uh, those immediate needs. But the reality is that the, the need is, is only going to continue. Uh, when we look at mental health as an issue, not only is it increasing now, but it will continue to be a challenge going forward. Uh, addictions and substance abuse, uh, employment and training you talked about those that will be displaced uh, what are, what are the supports that require there and helping individuals with disabilities so, th- so the needs will continue and we talk about this is not a uh, this is not a sprint it's a marathon is absolutely true when we look forward to tomorrow Giving Tuesday as a real starting point to us focusing on the community needs.
2: What do you say to those because so many people are struggling right now Dave and it's hard to think you know when you're worried about your own family about helping another family and so the gift doesn't have to be big tomorrow it doesn't have to be a hundred dollar donation or two hundred dollars how how small can it be if someone's saying look I don't have a ton but here's what I can give you
7: you know, it it really can be as as, as small or as big as, as people can handle, because um, the reality is sometimes it's not even about the size of gift. Uh, when you talk to the agencies, um, what a gift means to them is validation that what they're doing is important, that they recognize the need. And so, but also I think there's a, there's a human element that people really want to give. Uh, it's part of who we are, particularly here in this province. Uh, and so any level of giving is great, was uh, well-received, and we know that a lot of people are really up against it right now, uh, but if they can find a way to, uh, to put forward any kind of gift tomorrow on Giving Tuesday now, uh, it would be very much appreciated.
1: UnitedWayWinnipeg.ca is the website. Dave Angus, volunteer United Way Winnipeg campaign chair and president and CEO of Johnson Group, joining us live on CJOB. Dave, pleasure as always, sir. Thank you, Brett. Take care. question of the day at cjob.com brought to you by mr furnace don't call them first you'll see why call mr furnace 204-832-6243 manitoba's reopening plan begins today what would you do if you entered a business which wasn't equipped with protective gear or sanitizing stations and 45 percent say stay and sanitize later 39% say run away and don't look back. 15% would report the business. You can cast your vote at CGOB.com. We'll get a new question up there soon. One of those businesses, those business types that can reopen today, Greg, restaurants and their patios.
0: That's right. But there
1: is a caveat.
0: You cannot go into the dining room. Dining rooms indoors cannot be open. That's not part of phase one, but as you mentioned, Brett, patios are allowed to start serving customers as of today. And with a patio right on King Street in the exchange, the King's Head has been getting busy getting ready. And it was one of the first restaurants to close its doors mid March, March uh, 16th. If I'm not, uh, if I'm not remembering incorrectly, and now it'll be one of the first to reopen its outdoor space. Chris Graves is the owner of the King's head and joins us now. Good morning, Christopher.
6: Good morning. Sitting here at the King's Head on my patio, to be
0: honest. Fantastic. Well, are you excited? Are you nervous? Uh, Mixed emotions? How are you feeling this morning, Chris?
6: You know what, I'll put it to you this way. I think we're cautiously excited. Uh, One of the great things about uh, what we've been able to do is we have you know, we did do a pivot so we were able to keep our business somewhat open doing the grocery pickups and deliveries. So for us uh, even though the news came down fairly quickly, uh, we still had staff employed and we still had like, you know, we were already following safety protocols so we had sanitizer in-house, gloves and masks. So for us to get going, it, was, uh, it wasn't It was exactly uh, as hard as what I thought it was initially going to be.
2: So you mentioned the mask, Chris. How will this look? If I come to the patio, will your servers be wearing masks? And how will the tables be spaced out to fit with all the rules?
6: Yeah, so... Unfortunately, the, uh, the actual uh, stipulations and regulations haven't been extremely clear when it comes to how we're supposed to serve tables. So uh, what we've done, we've worked very closely with Manitoba Health, and uh, we're basically going above and beyond what we think would be a regulation. So yes, our servers will be wearing face masks. Uh, they'll also be serving with, uh, with vinyl gloves on as well. And, uh, and the other thing is, too, is, yeah, so, I mean, our tables are going to be spaced out, uh, like, a minimum of six feet apart, in some cases even long, more than that. And uh, we're also going to keep our numbers to a table at a very, at a very minimum. Uh, the the uh, province came out and said that no more than 10, but we're going to be substantially less than that per table.
1: How about the people who are attending the patio in terms of spacing from each other? Like, I live by myself, so if I go to a patio with a friend or, you know, maybe a date, uh, like, even you're sitting at a patio table, typically you're only one meter away from that person. So how will that work in terms of keeping the customers spaced properly?
6: See, you know what? The, the, The thing about that is that there's no stipulations, really, when it comes to the customers. It's basically tables from each other. So, I mean... The fact is, is that there's nothing there that says uh, family and friends cannot get together at tables. So really what we're tr- we're doing is just we're deferring to uh, the province, province and the health experts here. But we also are telling people, listen, if you don't feel comfortable, make sure you feel comfortable first before you decide to come out. And that's just from us. I mean, that's the most important thing. We want to do it safely and uh, and things like that. So. All right, well, are you saying you got a couple hot bumble dates there? Uh,
1: today, I just might. I just might have some irons in the fire. <laughs>
0: right on. So, Chris, there are formalities in place and things that need to be done. Uh, but you, you touch on something I think is important to note is that if you're not feeling well, nobody's forcing you to go out. And, and I think that that's uh, at the top of the list of consideration here right is that this is supposed to be something that works for everyone involved it's not supposed to be forced it's supposed to be comfortable and then on the other side of this with regards to regulations there are going to be some restaurants in the city we know that the city left the permitting office open over the weekend and over in order to accommodate some restaurants that don't normally have patios allowing them to create patio space how do you feel about that is that a is is that something that we should be encouraging?
6: Yeah, you know what, I absolutely love the idea because you know it puts some at a disadvantage. You do have, you know, they're already their proper licensing in place, you know, with their liquor licenses and do adhere by the rules and regulations. So, you know, I encourage that. I think it's a great idea. Um, you know, it's not about competition for us, really. It's about everybody working together and uh, and doing it safely as well. So that is uh, that's super important for us, and I think it's a great idea.
2: We had some people I was reading on social media questioning, you know, what is it actually financially viable to open the patio and bring in staff and open up the kitchen, given you might only get a handful of people, particularly in early May. And obviously, because you've kept your business going in some part with the grocery side, Chris, you're a bit better on that startup front. But it's got to be a big decision for a restaurant or bar owner to go into this right now, given all the unknowns.
6: Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a massive financial undertaking, to be completely honest with you. I mean, we're doing things, again, like what I say, we're going above and beyond, too. So we're doing, you know, one-service uh, one cups, you know, disposable cups. We're doing disposable cutleries and condiments. These are things that we actually did never, we never had in-house. So those are purchases that we actually had to make and uh, to kind of go above and beyond, which other, other restaurants, you know, may have to do the same thing. Uh, But like you said, we were, you know, we still had staff employed. Uh, We still had basically the business open and things like that. Uh, So we're just getting back to doing what we do best, and that's uh, bringing pints to people's tables.
1: What time do you open?
6: (laughs) Well, we're open at noon. Uh, We're going to play it by ear how long we go. Uh, I did go make a couple patio heater purchases just in case. But uh, I tell you, it might be like two or three degrees out, but on this patio, it feels like it's about 20 right now. So,
1: Chris Graves is the owner of the King's Head, reopening its patio today after over six weeks. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time today. Good luck. Looking forward to coming to sit and have a beer there.
6: Listen, thank you. And I want to truly say I appreciate everybody's support at CGOB, you've been absolutely fantastic, so thank you.
1: All right, Chris, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. That's exciting. It's, it's exciting. You mentioned the word hope earlier, Loren, and mm-hmm. seeing a place like the King's Head, which is an institution in the city of Winnipeg, to see people sitting on its patio uh, will be cool because it's hard to imagine the summer without yeah. that patio in particular.
2: Well, I think this time of year, it's impossible not to get that urge to put on your shorts, even when it is only eight or nine degrees out. And the patio is a big part of that, right? And so to imagine trying to then endure the next few weeks without that possibility would make it a bit more depressing. Uh, I'm hopeful if if everyone does what they're supposed to do and pays attention to the rules that the business maybe will do well and people's spirits might do well for it, Brett. (laughs)
1: Phone lines are open at 204-780-6868 as we seek our next qualifier for Wishing I Was Fishing. Grand prize worth $6,000 provided by Winnipeg Custom Countertops and Cabinets, which includes a whole bunch of goodies from the fishing hole. Full contest details at cjob.com. Call us now at 204-780-6868. Loren McNabb, we're going to have a bit of a carousel of global reporters over the next hour and a bit. Who is... Where? I guess. They're scattered about. Who are we talking to and where?
2: we've got them all over the place this morning and just quickly as an aside, in case you hear a printer going off in the background, I've been trying to print some school stuff for the kids for an hour and it just decided now to just churn out all this paperwork. So of course it's out. I'm like, what? I didn't, I don't even remember printing this anymore. It's been that long, but in any event that's, uh, that's my life at home, working from home. We've got Joe Scarpelli. We're going to meet up with him uh, just at 8:45. He's out at Polo park close to you, Brett, just uh, sussing out how things are going to work for malls, that are reopening and then after nine we're going to take a visit to Corden avenue where we have malika kareem who will talk about what she's noticing from restaurants that might be trying to put up a patio or reopen a patio this morning which is allowed as of today and of course the big one for everyone greg and brett i bet you is hair And so Diana Fox, I don't think she's getting her hair done, but she is going to be at uh, City Looks Hair Salon. Sherry has joined us, uh, the owner, several times over the past few months here on CJOB to talk about the stresses of not being open. And at 9.30, Diana will be interviewing her to share how she's feeling on this reopening day and all the measures they've put into place for for that physical distancing. You can bet phones everywhere on that front for hairs. Greg, we're ringing off the hook
0: oh yes that was a popular conversation in our virtual uh get together on saturday night was who heard from their hairdresser and who hadn't heard jackie was pretty upset to find out she, that uh, other people were getting text messages and and offered appointments ahead of her so yeah for a lot of people this is a really big deal me as i've mentioned i'd I don't really care. I'm gonna, I'm gonna grow out the hair as long as uh, Jackie will allow me to do so, and maybe even a little bit longer than that. But I know it's a big deal for a lot of folks that, that want to feel normal again. That goes a long way for a lot of folks in terms of uh, reclaiming some normalcy. So uh, I'm quite surprised, actually, Brett, that that uh, barbers and salons were one of the first places to open that are a part of this first phase because of how intimate it is
1: I was surprised too but you know what I'm taking my chances I've got a haircut booked at one o'clock today I can't stand it anymore I gotta I gotta get this mop trimmed up so I'm going to see Joe over at Tony's later this afternoon lines are jammed at 204-780-6868 wishing I was fishing and here is today's question back in the 1990s 10% of parents had one of these now fewer than 2% do what is it John, hello there, sir. Do you know the answer?
8: Oh, happy Star Wars Day. May the fourth be with you. Uh, I think it would be a a rolling pin.
1: A rolling pin. That is very specific. Not the answer, but that's a good poll, John. And may the fourth be with you as well, sir. Thank you. Okay, let's try Marie. Hey, Marie, do you know the answer?
5: I'm going to guess and say a VCR.
1: A VCR. No, that's not the answer, but that's a great guess. Thanks, Thanks, Marie. I still have a VCR. It's not hooked up, and I don't know if I even have any tapes, but there was there was an instance in the last couple of years where it came in handy. Someone needed to look look at something on a VHS tape, and I said, I have a VCR. I can help you with that. Sometimes it pays to be a bit of a hoarder. Larry, do you know the answer?
8: Um, so could you repeat that again? It was 10% of people had this in the 90s.
1: And now less than 2% do. Well, now,
8: now less than 2%. Yeah. Geez, um let's see a subscription for a newspaper
1: oh subscription for a newspaper great guess that's not the answer okay but thanks for trying larry greg you've got a subscription to the newspaper right I don't
0: anymore, but I'm gonna. I think I'm going to renew it. We're fortunate enough to have access through work. Uh, J- Jackie got so tired of the newspapers stacking up and <laughs> filling our recycling bin, and yeah, it was just a, a pain in the neck. And then I went to a digital subscription, but then uh, we have one through work, so I don't have one. But uh, you know, hey, uh, in this time right now, supporting local journalism is a big deal. So I think
1: I'm going to jump on that. You said parents, right? Yeah, back in the 1990s, 10 okay. percent of parents parents had one of these now less than 2% do. So right there, it's a family oriented thing. There's your cl- first clue. Lana, do you know the answer? Um, an alarm clock, an alarm clock Two 2% of people ha- have an alarm clock. I guess everybody uses their cell phone now. No, that's not mm-hmm. the answer. Lana. I'm sorry. Okay, thank okay. you. All right. I don't recommend just relying on your phone, by the way, for your alarm clock. It happened to me once where my phone froze and I was two hours late for work. Les, do you know the answer? I was gonna say typewriter. Uh, typewriter, no, no. Unfortunately, great guess though. But did did Mcnab? Did you ever have an old typewriter in your house?
2: Uh, yeah, we did. It was green. I can remember with the green case, I think, and we loved it. We loved hammering on that thing.
1: Yeah, my mom had a, had a typewriter that I think weighed fifty pounds, and you yeah. really had to reef on it to to get it to type anything. But it was fun. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Hunt and peck. (laughs) (laughs) Frank, do you know the answer? Would it be great grandparents? Great grandparents? No. Oh, Superb guess. Yeah, great guess, but no, that's not it. It is an object. It is not a person. Dave. Yeah, hi there. Uh, An electric can opener. Electric can opener. No, no. Uh, Think a little bit bigger. It's a bigger object. Ed, do you know the answer? How about a camera? Camera? No, great guess, but think of, it's mm. a little bit bigger. But yeah, I guess everybody's got a camera on their phone. Great guess, but think of, it's Ernie? Ooh. Yes? Do you know the answer? A uh, toaster oven. A toaster oven? No, I'm afraid not. I'm a, Another great guess, though. And we, we had a lot of people saying toaster oven is the best way to reheat food. Sue, do you know the answer? How about a landline? A landline? No, no. Another solid guess, though. Yeah, most people cutting the cord, right? Uh, but no, think uh, think bigger. Like it's not a, it's not something you'd have in your home. Bob, do you know the answer?
7: Telephone answering
1: machine. No, not a telephone oh. answering machine. But another great guess. Yeah, we used to have the one with the cassette, right? Where it had to rewind every time you wanted to you called somebody. Yeah, Adrian, do you know?
5: I was going to say waterbed, but if it's not in your home, then that's not it. <laughs> oh,
1: great. I wish that was the answer. My parents had a waterbed, and I used to love bouncing around on that yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, mm. uh, unfortunately, <laughs> they didn't like it when I uh, bounced too hard and, and split it open.
2: Are they oh, still a no. thing?
1: I guess if you wanted a waterbed, you could get one. I don't know. Hmm. Very relaxing to lie on. I would like listening to the water jostle around. Rita, do you know the answer?
2: A cassette player in the
1: car? No, not a cassette player in the car, but you are in the ballpark.
2: Ooh, I think I know for sure now.
1: Larry, do you know the answer?
8: Uh, is it a minivan?
1: It is, Larry, a minivan. <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, congratulations, Larry. Awesome. Thanks. Can you believe that? Two percent? No, that's. Uh, I'm. I'm
3: actually pretty surprised. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know where this where this survey was taken, but uh, apparently 2%. Have, I mean, I guess everybody's gotten with SUVs and crossovers now. I don't
8: know. Yeah, but, there's a lot more crossovers, but you still see quite a few minivans out there. Yeah,
1: and they're fun to drive. Like, I, I was stunned. When I drove my buddy's uh, van, he let me borrow his van to just run to the store quick. I loved driving around in his caravan. So, yeah, I'm, all my perspective changed when I got into that. I thought, oh, man, I kind of want one of these. Larry, <laughs> I'm going to put you on hold. Congratulations. Are you an angler? Sir,
3: yeah, more so uh, ice fishing, but uh, but would love, definitely would love to go uh, go to Q Lake there. That sounds like an awesome package.
1: Yeah, three night stay at Q Lake Lodge, up to six guests. So I'm going to put you on hold, stand by, okay? Thank you. Once again, we will give away this grand prize from Winnipeg Custom Countertops and Cabinets. It is an angler's dream getaway. Wishing I was fishing. Six thousand dollar grand prize. We're giving it away on Monday. Congratulations, Larry. (laughs) So for me, things always roll back to Taco Bell. For Loren, it always rolls back to Minidosa. And for Greg, it all comes back to chi Yeah,
0: not all of it, Brett, but just a lot of it. Tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo, the 5th of May, a day of the year where restaurants serving all sorts of food the rest of the year find a way to incorporate Mexican cuisine onto their menus. Many people mistake Cinco de Mayo as Mexican Independence Day. That is actually on September 16th. Cinco de Mayo is, in fact, the celebration of the Mexican victory over French forces at the Battle of Puebla on May 5th, 1862.
2: And I actually didn't know that. So now that I've got a history lesson from that, Greg, thank you. Let's bring our next guest, who is bringing Chi-Chi-style food to his restaurant for one day only. Alexander Sven is the chef and co-owner of Little Goat on Portage Avenue in St. James. Good morning to you, Alex.
8: Good morning. How are you?
2: We're good, thank you. What's the reaction been to the idea of serving up some Tex-Mex tomorrow?
8: It's been crazy. It's, uh, it's Every every time I open my phone, there's more emails.
0: Alex, you're a, you're a fellow uh, Chi-Chi alumnus from Polar Park back in the day, and when you talk yeah. about restaurants that, that people would love to see come to Winnipeg, ones that have never been here, it inevitably, the conversation comes back to, well, why doesn't someone bring back Chi-Chi's to Winnipeg. And for those that don't know, Chi-Chi's had two locations in Winnipeg. One was at Lager-Modier in Regent. I think that's the one you would go to, Brett. And the other one was at Polo Park, where the movie theater... Share your memories of just how busy and popular that restaurant was back in the day for us, Alex.
8: Oh, it was crazy. It was, like, it was my first job, and it was the busiest restaurant I've ever worked in since then. Um, we had both the football stadium and the arena, and so when you had a show or a game, the place would fill up about 400 seats in like 15 minutes, and you know, it was crazy. I was a dishwasher, and there'd be six dishwashers on ship at one time. It was, it was wild.
1: What is it about this Fun. type of food that, uh, that people love so much?
8: You know, I think it's like the, it's all the elements. It's like spicy and salty and greasy and cheesy, and everything you want in food all comes together on that one plate
2: man, so, I just co- cooked some Mexican good. on Saturday and now I'm craving it again, so I'll have to look at your menu there. Um, yeah. How do we get it? Where do, where do we go to find out a bit more information about how we might want to pick up our own little Tex-Mex night?
8: You can go to our Facebook page uh, at Little Goat or you can go to our website, littlegoat.ca and the whole menu is there. And it's a set menu with a choice of different entrees and I just took things right from the old chi menu. I still have the me- recipes all up in my head somewhere. And uh, you can board from there.
0: That is fantastic. And I noticed my favorite is one of the options. The It was the number five combo din- dinner, the Cancun. Two seafood enchiladas and flour tortillas with a with a white sherry sauce and a sprinkle of paprika on top. That's just off the top of my head, Alex. Yeah. Uh, but I used to have it with uh, 37 PLU, no rice, and 37 <laughs> you know PLU, no beans, 512 PLU, sub-French fries.
8: That's amazing, you know, all the numbers still. Um, yeah, that's also a mystery. I, I'm going to try to recreate it, but it, it came in a package, and we added, um, like, a jug of, like, cooking sherry to it. So I'll have to see what I can come up with.
0: Outstanding. One more time, how can people uh, get in on this? Because you want orders in by noon today, right, Alex?
8: Yeah, I want them in. we're signing out, and we're asking people to come do later orders, because between 5 and 6, there's going to be a traffic jam on Portage Avenue, so... Um, But you can still go to the website, littlegoat.ca, or check out our Facebook.
1: Okay, littlegoat.ca, and they're located on uh, Portage Avenue, 2615 Portage Avenue, and the phone number is 204-254-GOAT. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, Alexander. Much appreciated, sir. Okay, but. Alexander Sven, chef and co-owner of Little Goat on Portage Avenue in Saint James. Now I am craving a chimichanga. Greg, thank you for that. Oh, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> I think
0: that's one of the options. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's great, man. I love that. I do. He nailed it when he's like, it's you know, it's sweet and salty and greasy and cheesy. I'm like, yep. There's really nothing wrong with this picture.